At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with Chantelle Chapman, based in Vancouver. Chantelle is a refreshing voice in the financial recovery and education space, renowned for her cutting-edge, relatable, and trauma-informed money guidance. In 2018, Chantelle founded The Trauma of Money, an accredited course certifying professionals in facilitating and healing money trauma. Leveraging 14 plus years in mortgage and financial literacy slash recovery consulting, Chantelle has taught and written finance curricula for numerous universities and nonprofit organizations. She's also a proud member of the National Task Force for Economic Justice, supporting Canadian Center for Women's Empowerment in Ending Financial Abuse. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, Real Simple Magazine, and Refinery29. Chantelle, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. We're delighted to have you. I'm so concerned to hear that there's trauma associated with with money. So I'm really eager uh, to get into this and and find out what that means and what we can do about it. But first, I just like to get an overall an overall idea of where you think this conversation is going to go. What's the one thing that you hope our listeners, these very busy entrepreneurs, what what do you hope they'll take away from this conversation today? Well. I'll share our trauma of money tagline, which is what I hope everyone takes away from engaging with any work that we do at Trauma of Money, which is decrease shame and increase discernment. Decrease shame and increase discernment. What does that word mean? (laughs) Discernment. Yeah. Discernment? (laughs) Well, um, you know, one thing that I, I... noticed when I was working in the financial literacy space is there was a lot of this or that thinking. So you do this with money, you're good. You do that with money, you're bad. And it was like this, this or that thinking kind of offered us a very limited worldview around money and it results in a lot of shame. So our tagline is decrease shame and increase discernment. And discernment basically means 
understanding that there's multiple worldviews around money and you get to learn how to be um, more discerning about what advice or what value is more in alignment with you and who you are and what doesn't work. So to sum up the word discernment, it's kind of like take what you want or what you need and then leave the rest and you decide you're in charge of that. That's really empowering. That's very cool. Who knew the discerning could be so cool? So, so let's start by <laughs> unraveling the trauma of money, and then we'll talk more about your journey next. But are, 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 are most people even aware that, that, that they have a relationship with money and that it can be traumatic? I mean, I guess those are two questions. Um. I think there's been like a lot of programming around money and the financial space that money is math, it is numbers, and it's not emotional. And so people may have encountered emotions around money, but because of that narrative we hear about money is math and not emotional, they may have tried to minimize their emotions, but we're now moving into a space where people are really seeing actually money is more emotional than it is math than it is numbers. It's, it's really about narratives and stories and emotions. Um, and, you know, a lot of people may not realize the connection between traumas they've experienced in life or or really what trauma even is and how it can impact the relationship with money. And then I do encounter a lot of people who just hear the words trauma of money and they feel so seen. They're like, yes, finally some language that I can put towards my experience that I've had around money. Very cool. What would be sort of a common sort of traumatic attitude or response regarding money? Well, maybe I'll start off just by defining what financial trauma is and then what trauma of money is because they're slightly different. So financial trauma is basically when you you encounter something to do with money and it results in you experiencing trauma. So every single time you encounter money again, there's going to be like a trauma response that comes up um, that impacts how you deal with money. So some examples of financial trauma would be like growing up in poverty, um, a sudden loss of assets. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and COVID hits and you lose everything, um, this could result, this could essentially result in a financial trauma or financial abuse, inability to retire. So something happens specifically with money and now it's going to impact all future interactions with money. It may result in you being in fear around money. It may result in you being in avoidance. It may result in compulsions like overspending or taking a lot of risk. Now, trauma of money is a slightly more inclusive definition because we believe at trauma of money that any trauma that anyone experiences in their lifetime or maybe even trauma that their ancestors experienced even if it has nothing to do with money, it can still impact the relationship with money. So let's say you have a trauma with like attachment with your parents growing up, maybe, you know, or maybe you grew up in a home 
with addiction or there wasn't a, there was a little bit of neglect this might not have something to do specifically with money but because of that traumatic experience you've basically experienced wounding around safety security and worthiness now money represents worthiness worth money represents security so if you have wounding in those two areas of course the thing that represents those those two feelings is going to be impacted so we might we might see behaviors like financial avoidance like i mentioned or inability to advocate for yourself and set boundaries or negotiate around money or maybe compulsive spending because you are in a lot of pain from your trauma and it's the only way you can soothe that pain is just by distracting yourself and uh, I'll ask a question only only an entrepreneur could ask. Uh, can you have trauma of money, uh, money-related trauma? Or is, is it always related to just your own money or can it be related to other uses of money, whether it's in a business that I may work in, but it's not necessarily oh, all yeah, my money? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In it? it's, let's just say that trauma of money is unlimited. So you can... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good news, and kids. You can, you know, like... You might, um, let's say you've got like trauma of money around worthiness. And let's say you are working in a business and the business that you work for charges a certain amount for their service. And that's a choice that they decided. But because of maybe scarcity or trauma that you've experienced around worthiness, you might project onto that business that that's way too much. How could you charge that? And so that would be an example of something that you just just described. Or maybe you're in a role where you have scarcity trauma and you're worried about there's like a fear of loss or insecurity. So you don't take very many risks at all in your role. So you become like kind of risk averse. Right. Now, many entrepreneurs, they do have a lot of their net worth tied up in their businesses. So is it possible that they could have trauma squared? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trauma can be layered. Um, and, you know, at Trauma of Money, we have this six-layered map that we um, believe impacts the relationship with money. And out of those six layers, four layers of it is trauma. So the first is generational trauma and scarcity. And the reason why we always say trauma and scarcity is because we found that if someone has experienced scarcity or they believe that they're in scarcity and the brain can't tell the difference between the two, real scarcity or the belief, their nervous system and their brain reacts in a similar way to a trauma response. So the four layers that I'll go into is generational trauma and scarcity, relational trauma and scarcity. So this might be like trauma that you have in relation to someone else, societal trauma and scarcity, and systemic trauma and scarcity. So many of us might have layers of that type, that, that trauma. Systemic trauma around money. That sounds, that, that, that yeah. sounds scary. It is, but it's it's a it's a harsh reality of the dominant dom, dominant economic system that we live in. Right, and what how how might systemic trauma around money how might it manifest itself? How would I recognize it in someone I knew or met? Um, 
Well, you know, mar- identities who have been marginalized historically um, are going to be victims of systemic trauma. So, um, you know, looking at like uh, gender wealth gaps or racial wealth gaps, that's where you're going to really see systemic sh- trauma show up. Um, even things like uh, folks who are unbanked or underbanked um, and, you know, just the way some of the financial systems are set up that are not totally inclusive and um, can make it harder for people to engage in them. Another way that you might see systemic trauma show up with entrepreneurs is through debt aversion. Um, Because uh, someone who's been marginalized historically, they may have not had access to credit at reasonable interest rates and terms. So because of those past experiences, they might develop an aversion to all sorts of debt or all sorts of credit, um, which could leave them in a position where it might be challenging to grow their business. Okay. Before we go dig deeper into this, tell me, I want to know more about you. You've been a mortgage broker and somehow that became sort of a financial literacy educator. Tell me, and and now you're doing this. Tell me about your journey and how, how you have changed and your, and, and what you're yeah, doing. Has so I, when I started as a mortgage broker, I was really young. So it was very hard to get clients because, you know, people just looked at me like, you're not old enough to do this. And so the only clients that I was getting were people who were declined and they, they thought might as well see her as the last option. And um, I, because I had quite a bit of spaciousness because I um, didn't have any clients, I, rather than like saying, no, you're declined, move on, I wanted to support them to maybe get an approval later in life. So I ended up just kind of naturally moving into financial literacy education where I was teaching people about, you know, how to improve their credit maybe some things that they want to adjust with the way they're saving for a down payment or, you know, even the the structure of the way that they're filing their taxes or what does it look like to create more income in your life? Um, And so that's how I got into financial literacy because I was essentially teaching it to all my clients that were getting declined. And uh, I was teaching financial literacy for many, many years and and is this on your own or through a school or some other affiliation? Uh, no, I opened up my own financial literacy organization. <laughs> As one yeah. does. Fantastic. What was it called? Uh, at the time, well, I used to teach teenagers and it was called Holler for Your Dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and what came yeah, next? Yeah, and then, so this was like at the very beginning of the whole content marketing world. It was like the beginning of Instagram. And I started kind of getting noticed by some organizations in the finance space. And they liked what I was doing. I was creating uh, financial education that was really accessible. And um, so I was approached by um, a few different organizations saying, hey, can you help us create some educational content for our brand. And then my financial literacy business kind of evolved into me consulting for financial brands and helping them create financial literacy advocacy campaigns and 
And then one thing led to another, and I started consulting for one of Canada's biggest financial technology companies um, and working on them, working with them on the development of new products like Canada's first ever free credit score and um, Canada's first digital mortgage experience. And while I was doing all of this, I mean, you would, from the outside looking in, you would think I had a really good relationship with money, but my own personal relationship with money was very challenged. I was a workaholic, but I was still under earning because I had a very hard time speaking up and asking to be paid more. Um, yeah. That sounds familiar. I, uh, yeah. was overspending, racking up credit card debt filing my taxes late, just kind of doing all the things that I was teaching people not to do. You know, I asked, like, I'm a very curious person. And I was like asking myself, like, how am I, how am I teaching this? But it's not like I have the financial literacy. I know the financial literacy, but it's not changing any of my behavior. And the thing is, the financial literacy helped because I knew, I knew enough of what what not to do so I wouldn't get in trouble, but it didn't help me really expand or grow. And I went on a, a, my own personal journey around healing. And I, it, I started to kind of realize that um, my experiences that I had in my life were actually what was causing me to interact with money in the way that I was interacting with money. And some of those experiences were growing up in poverty. I lived in a home where I was exposed to addiction. I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. I've witnessed quite a bit of violence. And through this like healing journey on my own, I had made the connection myself. And I was, seek I was seeking out support with trauma therapists, and every time I would bring up the money aspect, I kind of was just told to just have more willpower with it. It was almost like the trauma healing wasn't being applied to money. It was so separate. And so I just went on a multi-year research journey on my own, studying addic addiction recovery, trauma healing, um, and then also zooming out and looking at things from like more of a societal level. I studied economic, community economic development and I started to realize this huge gap between the mental health space and the financial world. So I started developing out a method based on some of the research that I pulled together. And I started testing it with different groups. And then what was happening is a lot of professionals were very interested in what I was teaching. And then that's kind of where I arrived at Trauma of Money. And... Um, I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I brought on a, a pretty large faculty of incredible experts, and all of us together collectively teach our Trauma of Money uh, professional certification program. And so, so your business, is it basically subcontracting people to teach this, uh, this curriculum? Yeah, we have, um, we have a pretty large faculty of different experts from around the world that come in and teach with us. We we basically like we identify their like expert expertise and skill set, and then we work with them a little bit to integrate their approach into our method because we developed a six step method of working on the, your relationship with money. Wow, and um, 
and 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 do they teach through you know regular educational institutions or is it all sort of uh, independent well, stuff? Well, some of the faculty members teach at u- universities. I teach at universities often. Um, our trauma of money work has been brought into like multiple programs with different colleges and universities. Um, so we'll, we guest lecture and then our faculty is very, very diverse. So we have, you know, faculty members who are trauma therapists. We have, you know, faculty members who are, um, uh, PhDs in ecology and they teach all about laws of nature and biomimicry. We have faculty members who teach about, um, you know, uh, looking at different models of entrepreneurship from a trauma-informed lens and, you know, huge diverse group of faculty coming from all different types of backgrounds. Um, so some of them are doctors, some of them are PhDs, some of them just have lived experience and we value that as them being in a place where they can be on faculty and educate because it's important to teach our students to be discerning, to hear from multiple voices around money, not just this one expert. That's a very core value of ours. Can I ask how many faculty members you have? I think we're about 17, maybe. Very cool. And what's the geographic footprint that, that you cover? We're last time I checked, we're in 26 different countries. Seriously, that's that's more than one country per instructor. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. And what's the outcome from um, fr- from this teaching? I mean, obviously, if you're just coming in as a guest lecturer, there's probably no way to to to, to identify outcomes. But in terms of the goals, is it to help someone become more uh, prosperous or just to have them recognize uh, the signs of trauma or actually to conquer them? Well, we do get to see outcomes because we we run our own professional certification training. So we run a 17-week training program um, and we have our students with us for 17 weeks and then they stay with us in our alumni community. So we we hear many um, different stories of um, healing and, you know, financial empowerment, improval with their finances. And, you know, the outcome is our tagline. It's they have decreased shame around money and increased discernment. Right. Very cool. Has anyone gone from uh, alumna, alumnus, alumna to, to instructor? Yeah, yeah. We, we've we brought on a lot of our alumni as teachers. I bet that would be an amazing background to have. For- yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they'll like we, we say that we have like a democratized learning environment. So we create space in all the classes for student sharing. And, you know, we will present material and we will be like, hey, this is what we found in the research. This is kind of what we think. What do you think? And because we position our education in that way, we get to hear incredible wisdom from our students. And that's how we've said, okay, we need to talk more. Maybe you should come in and be faculty. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And how do you characterize the business? Are you in growth mode, startup bro- mode, established mode, and, and collecting <clears throat> dividend checks? <laughs> 
I, I say we're in growth mode because uh, we like we've been running our main cohort. We run two cohorts a year. We we're just on our ninth cohort now. We've um, had over a thousand students come through our training. But one thing we do outside of our main cohorts is we like guest lecture at universities or we work with organizations. So the growth mode for us is really um, focused on expanding our offering to do um, organizational certification and and curriculum development and training within organizations. Right. Now, is this like when when you talk about dealing with the trauma of money, is this like teaching first aid and that everybody needs to know it? Everybody's a potential client, or is it like, you know, uh, treating a, a disease or a syndrome that it's just for certain people? Oh, I love that comparison. <laughs> so it's definitely more like first aid because we believe that if you live in our dominant economic culture, it's very likely that you or someone you know has money trauma um and um and also you know we ha- we see so many ty- different types of professionals and sometimes i get surprised like oh i didn't know you would use this in your work but it's really anyone who interacts with people and money even if you're like an hr director of a cl- of like a clothing brand you know, you're talking, you're having conversations with people around money and values. So being able to have a trauma sensitive approach um, around those conversations is is valuable for lots of different people. And we also definitely do not take an approach of like a diagnosis disorder mod, mod, model because um, we're so focused on moving away from this like decreasing shame that we don't want people to say, oh, I have a disorder, you know, I've got this money trauma, I've got a disorder, something's wrong with me. We want people to m- more move into a space of, okay, what what have I gone through? Like, what have I actually gone through around money? So, you know, even just like looking at the societal lens, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago where women couldn't get credit without having a male co-signer. So what has that done to their confidence around money? And, and, you know, so that is um, where it, it makes more sense that it's more of that, like first aid, everyone should have some awareness around like how trauma shows up on the relationship with money. Right. Do you have a success story you can share with us? Maybe you can tell us about uh, someone who's, uh, you know, taken your course and, and, and managed to, uh, to, to put that to work and transform things for themselves or their family or their business. Yeah, I mean, we hear lots, we hear lots of stories because our alumni are so like engaged in the community. So we get to hear things, really cool stories. Um, one of the stories that I love was, um, this alumni uh, came to one of our uh, uh, affinity group events and she was saying that she was on a 12 month payment plan for her trauma of money tuition. And she was like, I'm making my last payment and I'm really sad. I'm like, why are you sad? (laughs) And she's like, because um, before I took the trauma of money, I would have like resented this bill that I had to pay 
And, you know, now through doing this work, like I look at this payment coming out of my bank account every month and I feel so proud that I get to pay this and that, you know, I feel so good about this like exchange that, you know, what I receive from trauma of money and my ability to pay it. And then like a couple minutes later, she starts talking about how there was this job that she's been looking at for years and she never felt like she was good enough like to apply for it. And then she just decided to apply to it. And I asked her if she noticed the connection between what she shared about, you know, paying the trauma of money payment and her confidence in applying for the job. And, and the connection there is being able to see value and to advocate for the exchange for that value. And, you know, once she started um, feeling good about recognizing the value in other things she was engaging in, she was able to see it in herself and go and apply for her dream job. Wow, that's beautiful. That's a, a great example. And it comes down to confidence, I guess, overcoming uh, the, the, the toxic relationship and recognizing your own worth, among other things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. Um, our, our core audience, of course, is entrepreneurs and a, a lot of young entrepreneurs are associated with Startup Canada. They have businesses that haven't achieved their potential yet in many cases, and they also have staggering rents to pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, any advice on on how, to, and, and they're, they're going to all claim they're too busy to take your course, so <laughs> let, let's try and cheat a little bit here. Um, any advice you can offer entrepreneurs who are hard-pressed, possibly on both fronts there, and... Uh, need to, you know, a bit of an, uh, maybe a bit of an, an attitude change? Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> one thing I hear in the entrepreneurship space, um, especially for like people just starting out is, you know, maybe some advice that if you're really passionate about this, you got to put everything into this and, you know, quit working outside of the the business that you're trying to build. And we believe that, you know, if you are in an environment of scarcity, so you are struggling to pay your bills, it can impact your ability to um, stick to your goals because it basically like taxes the brain. It, it creates something called bandwidth tax where it slows down everything. That scarcity that's running in the back of your mind is going to impact everything. And so we always tell people like, how can you create um, supports for yourself to minimize the scarcity when you're starting a business? And that might look like working part-time or that might look like working, but rather than seeing your work as like, oh no, I'm not putting effort into my business. Can you reframe the work that you do for money as this is an investor in my business? And just being very clear, like this is actually me going to my part-time job. So I'm not in scarcity actually does benefit and support my business. Interesting reframe. Yeah. 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 Any other thoughts on other reframes? I bet there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
just be aware of like some of the narratives that come up as you're interacting with your business. One I see a lot with entrepreneurs is they believe that they're not smart enough to manage the financial aspect of their business. And that belief can lead to avoidance. And, uh, I just want to like normalize how many entrepreneurs feel that about the financial aspect of your business. And if you do get into a community where you can talk about that shame, honestly, and find like find supports if you can, maybe it's even just emotional support of someone saying, yeah, I hear you. I feel like that too, because having that connection and that emotional support actually can help minimize the shame which can help lead to you you doing the thing that maybe you're avoiding because you feel supported. Yeah, we're we're, we're doing this podcast. Uh, we're doing four podcasts throughout November to uh, recognize Mental Health Month and talking about entrepreneurs' mental health. And um, just wondering if you think an entrepreneur's relationship with money, you know, can can seriously impact their mental health, and if so. Could a new attitude also heal it? Yes, and yes. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> excellent answer. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. No, yeah, <laughs> like it's kind of just a hard yes and yes. Um, you know, if you're carrying stress around scarcity or you know fears around money, of course it's going to impact your mental health. Um, you know, it can lead to anxiety, it can lead to depression, um, it can impact your sleep, it can impact your adrenal system, like it's, it can impact not just your mental health, but your physical health. Um, and also, yes, working on healing that relationship with money will minimize the risk to your mental health, but it's also not easy Um, there's a lot of kind of pendulation between like discomfort and healing, discomfort and healing. And that is, you know, if you give yourself that expectation as you get on the journey, that healing is not just butterflies and roses. It's actually, there's discomfort that you have to face, but it's so worth it in the end. It's worth it on so many levels. It's worth it on your overall mental health, your physical health, your confidence in your business, the ability to make more money. It impacts all those layers. Very cool. Um, the opposite of scarcity in, in my vocabulary is yeah. abundance. Is that sort yes. of the same for you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you, do you have any th- other thoughts on how an individual or an entrepreneur um, can create more abundance uh, in their life? What can they do to actually make that difference? Because this, it always sounds to me, and I haven't taken your course, that abundance, you know, you can't just manifest it, but maybe you can. Maybe there are ways you can attract it. Um, that's a really bad question. I'll just stop it there and hope you can no, bail me out. it's not a bad question. I, I hear what you're saying, you know. You can't. Like, I don't believe that you can just sit here and like manifest a million dollars or winning the lottery. Like it's, that's not really how it works. But the interesting thing about like manifesting is it requires a bit of a mindset shift plus action. 
And so if you are in a state where you're like, this is never going to work, everything is going wrong, it's going to be harder to be supported to take action when you're in that state. So if you have a dream and you have a vision, that dream and vision actually might become the motivation for you to take action, which can lead to more financial abundance potentially. Now, there's multiple other layers and factors that have to be included in here, like trauma, um, you know, uh, lack of privilege, lack of access and things like that. When it comes to like moving into more abundance, um, one thing, one piece of advice that I would give to entrepreneurs in the past when I used to coach is um, if they're feeling like isolated in scarcity to get out and collaborate or to, to go be of service or support for someone. And um, collaboration is an incredible, incredible tool that is not rooted in scarcity. Um, I, I yeah. totally buy that. I, I tend to think yeah. of it as partnering, but yeah, collaborating, getting out there and getting other people's energies and yeah. points of view, um, mixing them yeah, up. Collaboration is incredible. Um, and yeah. And then also like putting yourself in a position of like, how can I be of support to someone today? And Will that have me focus on what I have versus what I don't have? Even just that simple act might help create a little bit of a shift. But also we want to be careful not to bypass like actual scarcity, right? Um, So if actual scarcity is present, one thing we always say is focus on putting out your immediate fires first. So identifying because scarcity is like, it's kind of like a virus that like multiplies in the brain. So if you feel scarcity on something, it can just get bigger, 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 and we can end up catastrophizing. So one important thing to do with scarcity is to be like, okay, what is the actual real issue here? And what do I need? And how can I focus on that first? And then how can I, you know, work on some mindset on how this scarcity is taking over everywhere else? Wow. That's powerful stuff. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I'll try and keep that in mind. What does the future for the trauma of money look like? Well, we are expanding our organizational certification program, which is very exciting. We also are exploring what it would look like to do trauma of money in different countries. We have people from all over the world, but um, we would love to you know, create more location-based trauma of money offerings because, you know, it's important to identify some of the like societal trauma that has happened in like specific parts of the world to make the content really land with the people who are attending. So that's something else we're exploring. Like, what would it be like to have a trauma of money, Australia, trauma of money, UK, is there a trauma test or a trauma detection platform that you can tell that they can tell you, you know, who the best prospects are or where they live? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is some sort of psychomet- <laughs> uh, psychometric tool that exists, but we don't use anything like that. It seems to me that, yeah, this is an ever changing uh, landscape, right? I mean, right now, the pressure on many, many Canadians 
Um, you know, the number that uh, I can't remember the statistic for the number that are now, you know, just living paycheck to paycheck or or are underwater from month to month because of higher interest rates, higher rents, higher cost of living. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's all over. So are you seeing any manifestation that the, the trauma is getting any better or any worse? Um. That's really hard to answer because I'm immersed in a community that works consistently around trauma healing. So I get to witness people healing because I'm so immersed in that, that community. And I get to witness people like overcoming their trauma of money. Um, but I do imagine there are environments where it is getting worse and actually you know, like look at what's happening with affordability here and like um, inflation. So that's going to lead to more money trauma that people are going to be experiencing. And we're also post COVID pandemic too. So people are really feeling it right now. Right. So is there a Netflix show in the trauma of money? Oh, we would Can love we get- to do that. <laughs> we would love that. to do that. It'd be interesting. I mean, it might it might be possible. Yeah. Who knows? Um, because it's obviously a message of great interest, and it's something people probably would have difficulty yeah, doing yeah. for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one then. Um, any further thoughts in terms of uh, before we, we 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 close off? Any further thoughts about any? simple things, any advice for entrepreneurs in terms of manifesting that abundance or um, overcoming trauma or even just recognizing the the signs? Yeah, I would just say find a community and and don't buy into this idea that you shouldn't talk about money. Once you start talking about money with like a trusted community of entrepreneurs, you're going to feel more supported and empowered. And Like I said, like at Trauma of Money, our tagline is decrease shame, increase discernment, because at the core of so many of our unhelpful behaviors with money is that shame. So we really want to address that. All right. I was trying to close the show, but you opened an interesting door just now. So we'll go for another few minutes if that's okay. Um, Talking about money, it is something that people do not do. Um, why do you think that is? And do you think there would be benefit? Why do you think there are benefits to, to talking about it? I don't know why, um, people believe they shouldn't talk about money. I mean, when I say, I don't know why I, I don't know where that originally came from. That's what I'm saying. I know why it's because like society, society on a societal level, we're told that it is like not polite. It is rude. It is oversharing. And um, we have found in the trauma of money community, just by talking about it and naming things, one of the things they say in trauma therapy is you have to name it to tame it. And talking about it helps decrease that shame. And there's a whole uh, uh, psychology intervention that we use called the pro-social shame ladder, which is basically just Pro-social yeah. shame ladder. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, so I it's basically it. just this idea of share and meet yourself or meet the other person who's sharing with acceptance and empathy. And because shame feels like the threat of abandonment. And if you share something that you feel shameful about, 
like money and someone's like, I'm not abandoning you. You're accepted. And I hear you because I'm feeling that too. All of a sudden that threat of abandonment has decreased. And now you can go make a different choice because you're not sitting in that fear. And so uh, talking about money is so powerful. And we get to witness this all the time in the trauma of money community. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. And I think empathy is a solution to a lot of things, but we need catalysts to create new empathy. And, and hey, there's a lot of room for that in talking about money. Chantel, how can someone find out more about the trauma of money and your business and the courses you offer? The best thing to do is go to our website at www.thetraumaofmoney.com. And on the homepage, you'll find all the information about our course. We run a fall cohort and a spring cohort. We're in the fall cohort right now. Um, the spring cohort is going to start in March. And um, also on our website, we have an alumni directory. So you can check out some of our graduates. And like, let's say you're looking for an accountant who is trauma sensitive, you would find that on our website or a, co- a money coach or a, a therapist who's taken trauma of money. That's all listed on our website. Okay, that's amazing. We've been talking with Chantelle Chapman, the CEO and founder of Trauma of Money. Um, I've always said that entrepreneurs make the world better. And by you doing this work and creating this body of material and these experts who can deal with with this trauma, um, you, you're making an amazing contribution to mental health and to to, to individual success. So I, I salute you for that, Chantelle. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk again. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.